on time to talk sports with raw mind. Game day, who plays with updates of all kinds? From press box to sideline, who got cut, who got signed? Who's clutch when it's crunch time? The starting lineup or the pine? These athletes compete, some without even trying. You want a championship, you gotta grind. When them bright lights shine, and this game go nine, they gon' cover the story not quite like Ryan. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why, who got fine? Prime. Time. Got the game statistics. I could say, if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now Raw Mind Sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close like a coach's assistant. You want to be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is Raw Mind Sports, another edition. Welcome to Raw Mind Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Jones. I'm here today with Akash and a Barathin. Deputy editor at Fourth and Nine. He covers the San Francisco 49ers. And people, if you know me, you know this right here is perfect for me, people. Because y'all already said I'm biased when it comes to the 49ers. So we got a guy right here that's going to talk about the 49ers who actually covers on the sideline with the 49ers. So, Akash, how are you today, man? I'm doing great, man. First of all, thank you, Ryan, for having me on this podcast. And uh, excited to talk football with you. I love, love, love talking 49ers football. And your enthusiasm is just coming through the screen. So can't wait to get into it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So before we begin today, let's talk about you, man. And how did you become where you're at now and becoming the deputy editor? Yeah, Fortnite? man. So about three, four years ago, um, I've always been a 49ers fan just growing up. I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, and so uh, as I got older, uh, I really wanted to get into, you know, actually covering the team, writing about it. Uh, it was a passion of mine. Uh, I started out a website called 49ers Hub, um, where I, I started out just as kind of a, a normal contributor writer. Uh, then I kind of grew my way uh, at 49ers Hub. It eventually uh, lent myself to a role at Niners Nation. Uh, uh-huh. That's the Nation website, yep. Yeah, so I was there for a little while. I was there for about a year and a half. Um, and then some things happened, and then I moved from Niners Nation to 4th and 9, which is more of an independent website. Uh, and so since my time at Niners Nation, I've been credentialed. I've been able to cover the team, uh, speak with players. And, uh, it's been a really, really cool experience, uh, especially for me, uh, as a fan of the team, you know, growing up and, and now to be on site, uh, watching them from the press box and speaking to them after the games and stuff. It's uh, it's a really, really neat experience. So kind of tell the viewers what you do on a, uh, on a game day routine with the San Francisco 49 And I was like, what do you do? Like get them the, the thing that you do from the beginning to get into let's say Levi Stadium mm-hmm. to the end yeah so I actually now live in Seattle um so wait whoa 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 no 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 you can't be in Seattle I'll jump man go ahead I get that all the time but you'd be surprised there's a pretty good uh fan base here Seattle faithful uh is run by one of my buddies so uh, they got they got a pretty good presence here, but uh, yeah, I, I moved to Seattle a few years ago for work, um, so I live up here now. So when I go down and cover games, I usually fly down. I still got family there, uh, so I usually go stay with them, or I'll usually just fly down for the day. Um, so game day routine, like you asked, uh, usually they they let press in like three three and a half hours before before kickoff. So I try to get there as early as possible. Um, I love watching player entrances. Uh, it's always pretty cool. These guys just you know they're all they're so fashionable. Um, they love, you know, having like kind of the cameras on them as they come in. So it's always great to see, uh, usually when the 49ers buses come in, 
So I'll try, I'll try to watch that and try to, you know, uh, get video of it for social. Uh, I've seen the away teams come in and I saw like Atlanta come in last season. Who else? Los Angeles. Uh, So I was, you know, two or three teams come in uh, the away teams as well. So usually that'll happen. And then once that happens, it kind of dies down. Uh, It's actually pretty quiet uh, up in the press box. You just kind of, you chill there. Uh, They've got a ton of food. They do, they put out a good spread. Uh, So you get yourself a little pregame meal. Uh, They have a bunch of screens so you can watch like the, the morning games or whatever. Um, whatever games are on, you, you can watch uh, as the players are kind of getting ready in the locker room. Then as they start to come out onto the field, then you're allowed to, to go down. And, and again, you watch as it kind of warm up and uh, you take videos and, and you, uh, you know, tweet out stuff, uh, inform the fans that are at home or in the stands, kind of what's going on. Uh, so that's kind of the, the pregame sort of uh, kind of what happens. And then as the game starts, then, it's actually kind of neat. It's a different experience than watching at home. Uh, obviously, they've got screens up there for you. So you'll watch the play, and then it happens, you know, on live TV kind of after there's like a delay. So usually you'll watch the play, and then you'll watch it up on the screen, and then you'll, you'll be looking for certain things. And it's a little easier to analyze because you know what's happening. So uh, you can pick up certain things, like say there's a sack, then immediately look for, okay, who gave the pressure? And then you, you're able to like tweet about that or add that to an article or make a question of it or something like that. So uh, it's a lot more work for sure. Um, you know, when I was a fan and you'd watch things and watch the games in the stands, you'd be rooting, you'd be yelling, you'd be screaming and all that kind of stuff. That does not happen at all. It's really quiet. Um, and it's a lot of like looking up, looking down, typing, tweeting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so that, that's sort of uh, throughout the game. Uh, and then post game, uh, usually before the game ends, you get down into the auditorium area. So usually you don't even watch all the full four quarters. Um, you'll kind of follow it on your phone. You'll like watch it. They have TVs kind of everywhere. So you're paying attention to it. Uh, then the game ends. And then usually you have all the press conferences. Uh, usually the coach, so Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, George Kittle, they have some of the prominent stars come through, uh, five or six interviews. And then they open up the locker room for, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, you miss a, a bone burner open up the locker room. It's like a free fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's insane. Um, you know, you've got cameras everywhere. You've got probably like 50, 60 media members just walking around and trying to get questions in. And it's it's a doggy dog kind of a environment. Uh, uh, yeah, it's pretty it's, – it's intense. And then, uh, you know, the first few games I covered, I was definitely on the more more innocent, softer side. And, and it's definitely not <laughs> how you go about it. you got to be, like, on top of it. you got to have your questions ready. you got to be, like – up kind of in the player's face even though you're like kind of invading their space but that's how, that's how you get the questions in and then kind of once that happens once that dies down kind of go back up to the press box uh that's when they bring out the alcohol <laughs> for the writer. oh okay okay so there's no alcohol during the game and so then you know you write your post game story or whatever then you publish it and then you're kind of free to go so it's it's exhausting for sure you're there you know if it's if it's a 1 p.m game you get in around 10 o'clock. You're usually out of there like six, six, seven o'clock. So it's a long day. It's like a full eight hour work day kind of deal. Uh, but definitely, definitely worth the experience. Yeah, I agree. And I was sitting there thinking like you're on Pacific time. So yeah, Pacific time. So um, <laughs> you had to get it out. So, so I knew it was different. So you do get to see the morning games. Cause first I was like, I didn't sit there and lost myself. Like morning games. <laughs> morning games, but yeah, I that is no morning games on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to see those games, and then you know, give me time for you guys to play and things like that. So, oh yeah, yeah. I definitely get it, man. Um, 
you're saying pretty much a lot right there in that time frame. But that seems like something that that you pretty much are happy about, yeah. like a dream come true. Definitely would be for me. Definitely, most definitely. But do you get any heat like being in Seattle and? Um, for sure. I mean, I've got my Niners going on right now. Um, so definitely in the office. So my day job, I'm, I'm an engineer, uh, by, by a profession. So, uh, you know, my team's full of Seahawks fans. They give me a ton of shit all the time. Um, but it's fun. It's all in good. It's all in good fun. And especially when the Niners won week 17 up here in Seattle, uh, it was, it was pretty good the, the next day to, to walk around just decked out in, in 49ers gear. So <laughs> it's a good feeling for sure when they win. Uh, but I remember, you know, the Monday night game where, uh, where the Niners blew it uh, week 10 or whatever. That was tough. Uh, that was yeah. their first loss. It was against Seattle. Uh, Jimmy had like a rough second half. And so it, it was tough to stomach that loss. But uh, it's all good. It was, it was worth it in the end. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, now let's talk about the 49ers. What is something that you're looking to see this year from the San Francisco 49ers? I know what I got to say, but I'm going to hear what you got to say. I think the biggest thing is growth in Jimmy Garoppolo's game. Um, You know, last year was his first year starting. Uh, He's probably the most polarizing quarterback to talk about. Uh, Everyone has an opinion on him, and that opinion just varies depending on who you ask. The national media is really down on him. The local media is kind of higher on him. Fans are really high on him. Um, but you know, he had his high moments towards the end of the regular season, you know, the games in Seattle games in new Orleans. Um, and he had some down moments in the playoffs, right? He had that awful interception against Minnesota. They barely threw the ball against green Bay. And then, you know, against Kansas city, he had a good first half. And then that last drive just wasn't good enough. And so, um, you know, Jimmy's got to be more consistent this upcoming season. Uh, that's definitely what I'm looking forward to. Um, I think the biggest thing is last offseason he was rehabbing. He was working himself back from that torn ACL. Uh, Kyle Shanahan told us last week, you know, he's he's learning. He was learning how to walk last year, whereas this year you you see he's uh, at San Jose State. He's working with all the receivers: Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Kyle Uzcheck's there. So he's trying to build some chemistry with those guys, and so. Uh, I look for him to cut down on the turnovers. He had, what, 13 interceptions last season. He's got to cut back on that. Uh, just be more consistent uh, and continue to make plays. He, you know, we all know what he's capable of. Um, and so we just got to prove that kind of week in and week out. And uh, they'll be fine. Yeah, I'm going to go to the store with you, with Jim Garoppolo. <laughs> then we get into what I want to see. Um, now, I agree. But think about, like, with Jimmy Garoppolo is like, I like, how he handles the pressure of being, you know, in this, this like after Bill Belichick trading him. My thoughts is this, um, me and my friends always say, Jimmy Garoppolo always give you a pick. He, he do for a pick a game, but he's going to be dominant afterwards. So I'm always used to that same pick because I noticed during the games, like the same pick, if you notice most of his picks came from that spot with the linebacker. Yeah, man. It's always that same spot trying to get across the middle. Yep. To it's the underneath defender always, right? Right. Yeah. right. Every time, every time he doesn't <laughs> see that, but I think he'll get better at that. So I ain't no question because this is my favorite line, man. I always tell people, anybody tell you now, I always say, Jimmy G, I trust. So I believe <laughs> it, regardless. In Jimmy G, I trust. Now, on a level, like people got to understand, like when he first got there, he won a, quite a few games with a team that was like pretty much trying to find their, their own identity because they're rebuilding with Kyle Shanahan. He went 5 0. Yeah. 
They beat yep. the number one defense in football at the time, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. They, they hung, what, 44 or whatever, 42 or something like that, right? Right. Yeah. They put, hung up that many on a team like that with, with Jalen Ramsey in that, yeah. that, that, that very mean physical bunch of defense. And I saw that. I saw a team at that moment that just didn't have nothing together defensively, and he really cared. So, you know, he had guys like Trent Taylor that was there that's not been around. Yeah. It's going to be healthy. So I look at when I look at the situation of him, you know, a lot of people always try to get him the, you know, he's he may not be the best in the league, but he's he's in a fair place, as I should say. A fair place meaning like he's not bad either. And I, when I look at it, like when people always say trade Jimmy or should we get rid of Jimmy, we just went to Super Bowl with Jimmy. But like think about it, no offense, and I nothing but love for my guys. But when Jimmy was out, matter of fact, before Jimmy got there. <laughs> Our thoughts now. CJ Beathard was just not here, but he was there. You know, I don't know what the system was. It was he was hard, but then he got hurt. Then Jimmy came in. Then when Jimmy got hurt last year, CJ Beathard was there, and again he was not the answer. Then we had to go to Mullins. Mullins even won games. I don't know what. I don't know if CJ Beathard held the ball too long or what. For me, it's like the yeah. offensive line was always fine, but it was like he maybe held the ball too long and probably. Mm-hmm. Put them in some situations because when I always looked at every game, just about when CJ Beathard started, a lot of those games were close, but we didn't put no points up. So I was like, we get a good quarterback with a decent deep, decent. Deep. Well, they were very good this year, but at that time, a pretty good defense, okay defense. We could probably do something. Get back Jimmy this year, we pretty much there. Then I look at it, but some people say you need to get rid of Jimmy. I'm like, okay, listen, guys, for people who know sports, people who know sports, no. And on top of that, we are great with Jimmy. I'm not saying when I'm saying great, I'm saying like, why we get rid of Jimmy? Because most people are not getting rid of their good quarterbacks. You know, outside of Tom Brady doing what he was doing, you know, you think about it, who else you got to choose from? <laughs> you, you go, what you gonna just bank or gamble on a, a a college quarterback? No offense to the college quarterbacks, but I'm just saying you're gonna bank on them, and you don't even know what they have. Did yeah. they have a veteran like Jimmy who played behind Tom Brady, who's with a good coach of Belichick? Mm-hmm. And again. When I say this again, like, it's nobody giving up their good quarterback. Nobody's giving up a good quarterback. So, Jimmy G is is enough. He's done enough. And Kyle Shanahan's offense has worked pretty well. I just think he need to get a better handle on it, which he will this year. And not only that, I like the team as it is right now. A lot of people say, why are you going to get a big-name receiver? Kyle Shanahan is, like, is a coach that – Likes his system, and people got to fit the system. So I get it. And yep. they got to be players that are really, really – they don't have to be great. They can just be enough to fit the system. What he's yeah. done, people don't understand this, is what he's done is right now, if everybody comes back healthy, which I feel like they'll go back to the Super Bowl if everybody stay healthy. And I'm just saying that. I'm not just saying this because I'm a biased fan. I just feel like – Yeah. I mean, the NFC, I don't think nobody can really do as much. There's some teams that can score. The Saints always can score, but they always mm-hmm. choke because the defense always <laughs> blow games. Just being real, yeah. like the defense always done it. Yeah, that's Drew true. hasn't been to the Super Bowl since 2009. His yeah. biggest fate is because his defense can't stop nobody. So if he's not on the field at the last seconds of the game, it's over. I mean, yeah. it's over. You know, you don't, you can't bank on him. So <laughs> look at that, and I'm like, okay, we. I'm just being real. We may, we pretty much own Aaron Rodgers with the 49ers. Good when the that's 49ers true. are good, we pretty much own Aaron Rodgers. As, I that's mean, very true. So I mean, he, he's not even the fit, and I'm looking at other teams like. They could have a strong chance this year. When I look at the receivers, back to the receivers. Trent Taylor come back healthy. Jalen Hurd, if they don't move him to tight end. 
if they keep a receiver, then you got Debo Samuel, then you got Brian Ayuk. These guys are yet y'all guys. So what I think the plan is three step drop, get it out, maybe get it to them on a maybe, maybe they'll take a five and out or a ten and out and turn it into twenty yards. Yeah. I think that's what he's doing is trying to catch these guys in stride and let these receivers, skilled like players, be able to move the football. Not putting so much pressure on Jimmy to say, hey, Jimmy, just get the ball here, get the ball there, for these guys to get it done. The running game, systematically, honestly, like a lot of people telling me recently, you got rid of Breed, you got rid of Breed. Breed was hurt some of the year. He played well in some games, but he also fumbled in crucial moments. Now, in the playoffs, if you fumble in the playoffs, that's another, that's what Morstar really got his start because he was already the dollhouse. Because he fumbled yeah. a few times. So when he fumbled, even though he didn't fumble but twice, but those were fumbles that happened in crucial moments. So that's why you didn't see when Coleman got hurt in the NFC Championship, you would thought, like, okay, Breeders going to get a lot of touches. Now, him and Morstar going to carry the load. Oh, no, no, no. They said, no, we're just going to keep Morstar in. He probably <laughs> said, look, you just got to carry the load. That's what's going to happen. Back yeah. now to the running game, what I'm saying to Kosh is that the running game is always going to work is because it's a zone read type of run, meaning that if you got running backs that can really read the hole, they're going to be successful. So keeping a star running back is not going to be an option that you really have to have because you've seen with Breeder today, you've seen with Morstar today, you've seen sometimes with Coleman that you've even seen with my guy Jeff Wilson, which I truly think even if Coleman leaves, he could be the lead back, and then him and Morstar yeah. could be a talent. But I don't know what they're going to do with Coleman, but because he a vet. So, of course, if Coleman's there, he's going to be the man. And then more start. So, I'm looking at the zone relay. It doesn't really matter who you – as long as you can see the hole, as long as you can put the – run the ball downhill, those are random backs you really want in the system. So, it's not about having a star running back, star receiver in um, Kyle Shanahan's offense. And now we go to tight end. To me, the best tight end in football. Some people say Kelsey. The reason why I say Kittle probably is the best. But and this is like a – a double standard argument is because I say Kittle could do a lot more than just catch a pass. He can block. He does a lot. Yeah. But people say we can't because I say Kelsey can't because majority of the time, 95% of the time, Kelsey's going out for a pass on pass plays. He's not staying yeah. in the block. He's not staying in the block, yep. So people still say, well, that's not his fault. That's Andy Reid's fault. Well, until you show me, I'm going with this and it is what it is. That's how, that's how I feel. You got to show me that. I, I just can't just see one thing. I got to see it all. So that's how I feel about that with Kittle. <laughs> and now they're talking about the payday and stuff. And I don't know, I think he wants to be a 49, but you know, agents are agents and it's still a business. So I get mm-hmm. agents gonna try to get whatever you get out of it because it's a high yeah. market. Um, but yeah, that's what I feel about them. So I think overall defensively, I wanna see what Kinlaw's gonna do. He signed Jimmy Ward. The secondary should be fine. I mean, I'm gonna just be honest, man. I think the defense is gonna be solid all year against anybody in the NFC. And just mm-hmm. about everybody at AFC, the only problem is everybody don't understand is that every team will have a hard time playing against Kansas City. I'm still hurt for the Super Bowl because I looked at it like I looked at it like this. Like the 49ers are 20 team, they held Kansas City to 10 points through three full quarters. Yeah, that is remarkable. Like, yeah. so in my mind, I'm like, okay, you hold them down, and I'm bringing my little podcast show out of a bar here in my area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I'm from Tarpon, North Carolina, so I'm going to let you know that. And I'll talk about that a little later. Um, from a bar, and I'm saying to myself, 10 points, we have to score points because this is not going to last. When they got their interception, they went and ran. I said, okay, we got to score here. Everybody else said the game over. Oh, I knew the game was not over. 
I said, man, that's a no time for <laughs> the game to change. So that that moment there is the moments that I know. I don't know who you blame. Do you blame some people like to blame Jimmy? Some people like to blame Kyle Shanahan. I look at some tape and footage that I be looking at a lot while I study the film in the game. It was a lot of I think honestly Kyle Shanahan called some great plays in that drive. It was a lot of throws that were missed that was wide open, like Kittle and Bourne was open on the wing. And then you had Kittle, if he would have saw Kittle, Kittle probably could have ran for a good 20 to 35 yards yeah, on one man. play down the field, but he didn't see that. That's why I think he went deep. He went deep to um, Emmanuel Sanders on that play. I might be wrong, but it was a few plays that I was, think I think you're right. They were designed correctly. He just didn't hit the correct target. And those are the ones that when you when you make those throws, and if Emmanuel Sanders catches that, we probably say Jimmy G was clutching. He was the guy that we never thought he'll be. But by he missed that, they may blame the coach for bad play call. They should have ran the ball, blah, 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 blah. It's like you you can't Yeah, one play, one play changes it, right? Right. And it's like the good with the bad. Yeah. But that's how I feel. But go ahead, man. I thought you were about to say something. <laughs> No, man. Um, you know, back to your, your Jimmy Garoppolo comments. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the diehard fans, I think, overrate him a little bit. And, you know, the national media kind of underrates him. I'd say he's somewhere between, you know, the 10th and like the 13th best quarterback, you know, on, on a given day. Uh, I think he should aspire to be, you know, top six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. You know, just his natural arm talent and mobility and things like that isn't on the level of the Russell Wilson's the Patrick Mahomes and then things like that but given that he's in Kyle Shanahan's system he can execute at a high level and you know he more he could be better than his talent that is right and so that's why he led the league in stats like yards per attempt he had what 8.4 yards per attempt completion yeah. percentage was like 69 percent was really high yeah. but you know back to your thing about the offense his air yards were low right um, and a lot of the offense was Jimmy gets it to, you know, Debo Samuel or Emmanuel Sanders or George Kittle or somebody, and they make magic after the catch. And so that's why a lot of, you know, uh, outside media members critique him because they think that a lot of quarterbacks could can run the, the same system. But uh, I think his intangibles are off the charts. You know, his leadership ability, everybody talks about it, kind of his personality um, and just his intelligence, right, his football IQ, um, even though he – doesn't see the underneath defender sometimes, but uh, <laughs> the full mental makeup of, of Garoppolo, I think is, is what makes him so valuable in the system more than like a CJ Beathard or a Nick Mullins. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. They're, they're doubling down this year on the whole yak concept, right? We're going to get the ball out quickly. We're going to get it to guys in space and we're going to make magic. And no one's better than Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, and you know, Mike LaFleur at, putting guys in, in situations that they, they can succeed and then um, letting them run with it after. And so, yeah. And then back to your running game comments. Yeah. I think, you know, Mike McDaniel, the run game coordinator uh, is fantastic with their designs. Just, you know, you hit the zone running scheme, right? Just beyond that, the way they use Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle as lead blockers, right? They move those guys around back and forth. They shift receivers. They go in deep motions. They do, all sorts of stuff pre-snap to confuse the defense, and then they just run the ball, right? And it's it's beautiful to watch, especially if you review the film after the games. It's just it's great to cut up and and you watch these guys, and you're like, damn, how did they come up with this stuff, right? But uh, <laughs> consistently, week in and week out, they do it, and 
why they had, you know, the second best running offense last year behind Baltimore. And uh, yeah, I think the star running back quote unquote isn't necessarily needed. They just need someone that's fast. You know, the traits that they value are, you know, like uh, their 10 yard split, how quickly can they burst kind of out of the gates and yeah, straight line speed, Matt Breida, one of the fastest running backs, Raheem Mostert, same thing. Um, and even the guys they, they signed as undrafted free agents, right? Jermichael Hasty, the Baylor running back and uh, Salvan Ahmed, the, the UW guy. So yeah, they got a lot of speed in the backfield. I think uh, health is going to be the key offensively. Can they get Jalen Hurd back who, you know, back Ooh. injuries are scary, but if he comes back, that's huge. You know, Trent Taylor had like five foot surgeries, but he's looking good so far this off season. Ooh. Come back healthy. Oh, and then can the rest of the guys? Yeah. I mean, they had a ton of injuries. I think they had the sixth worst, uh, you know, injury situation per uh, adjusted game games lost last year. Uh, they were the only playoff team with that many uh, injuries. And so, yeah, just the job that the coaching staff did last year, despite all of the guys that were hurt, was uh, was pretty good to see. And so that's why I think this year, again, they're favored on paper, but football is one of these sports where you know, it's a game playoff. It's anything can happen on a given day. So it's hard to say, okay, they'll be back in the Super Bowl. But, yeah, they should be in the playoffs and they should be in the mix. And it's kind of what happens in those three, four weeks, right, that if they can get hot, they can catch fire. You, you just don't know. So, yeah. You're right. And that's what I believe in, too. So, we're going to – definitely going to see. Um, so, during your all-time, man, Akash, outside of media and all the great stuff we just discussed with, I put on a talk. Um, what do you like to do to take a break <laughs> from media? <laughs> good question. Um, yeah, so like I said, my day job, uh, I'm an electrical engineer by profession. Uh, I'm also getting my master's right now. So, uh, pretty occupied with both of those things, you know, working full time and, and getting uh, a master's on the side. So that takes most of, uh, most of my time, uh, just living here in Washington, there's just a ton of outdoor stuff to do. So, uh, usually out on the water, out going hikes or, you know, things like that nice, uh, during nice. my free time, but football has become more, more of a 12 month sport. You know, uh, the media right. stuff is really between like mid August all the way through like January last year, basically or February. Um, and then, you know, free agency starts in March and then the draft is in April and then June is kind of the worst month for like writers and, and things like that. There's just no content. Um, it, it, you got to really, really dig. So this is kind of the down month. So it's good that we're, we're talking now, but, uh, yeah, it'll, hopefully it'll pick back up here in the next like month or so. Um, shocking player for the 49ers this year, who would it be? Uh, sorry, repeat the question again. Shocking player for the 49ers. Who would it be? Shocking player. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> damn, you caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> can I say Trent oh, Williams? Oh, man. Ah, yeah, nice. I'm a look, pull up one of my shows recently that I did on you on my YouTube page. Mm -hmm. I called the trade. Well, I called, oh, yeah, I said during the draft, they said, Who would you? Who would likely a veteran who would likely be traded? I said, well, let me rephrase that. I said, Odell Beckham or Trent Williams. They said, Trent, no. I did was shocked. I'm, I'm telling you, I feel like he's not comfortable in DC, but I ain't gonna lie, I didn't know he would come to 49ers. <laughs> I knew he was gonna get traded. <laughs> I did speak on that. 
Oh, that the yeah the Trent Williams situation escalated. So you know that was draft week. Draft starts Thursday, as you know, right? As everyone knows. So like Wednesday, Matt Mayoko, who's probably the most popular 49ers beat writer, he's got the most connections with the Niners. Uh, he had some whispers that you know Joe Staley might be considering retirement, um, and so he was like, "Ooh, maybe they're gonna go draft a tackle, right?" And in the first round, uh, everyone was looking to see if uh, they would take the tackle that eventually went to Tampa Bay. I forget his name, but um, you know the Niners traded back. They took Ken Law. Tampa Bay traded up. They took um, was it Worfs? Yeah, it was Tristan Worfs, the Iowa right tackle. So so they drafted that guy. And then everyone was like, okay, so maybe Staley is coming because the Niners didn't draft a tackle through uh, the two rounds. And then Friday, obviously, they didn't do anything. It was super quiet for riders. We didn't have to do anything. They didn't have a pick. They didn't trade anybody. And then Saturday started. I think they had like three or four picks. Saturday morning, before the draft even starts, they pick up Trent, Trent Williams. <laughs> and so it was insane. It was a mad rush. They traded for him, immediately got to like write stuff. And then they had a couple draft picks and kind of how it works during the draft especially this year with it being kind of virtual, uh, the draft picks meet with media members. So we get on like a Zoom call with them. So we had like the Trent Williams trade, then they drafted somebody, then it was a Zoom call, then they drafted somebody, and it was just like total chaos on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I'm glad they ended up with him. Uh, probably the best left tackle in the league, uh, you know, last, two years ago. So if, if he's kind of in that same, you know, shape, uh, the Niners got a steal. Uh, he's in Houston right now. He's working with, uh, Adrian Peterson, Jarek McKinnon, and Debo Samuel, the four of them, are working out with Adrian Peterson's trainer. I've heard the, train, the training sessions are brutal. So those guys should be in the best shape of their life. So, uh, yeah, it should, be, it should be good to see, despite the fact that he's kind of only on, like, a one-year deal. Yeah, I'm ready to see what he's going to do. Mine is um, – I'm kind of happy in a way, and I forgot to tell you about it. I'm going to talk about it again. I think Mosley is going to secure the other side of the, um, the football field. I always said something about it. I don't know what happened to Aquilo when he first was there until what he happened. What happened? But all I knew was against Minnesota when he got cooked. I said, "Cook." I said, "Yep, he is done for the day." I said, <laughs> "I didn't know that." For some reason, I just thought he was going to be. You know, maybe something happened after the injury, he just didn't come back the same. But I feel like Mosley is going to own that spot. A lot of people keep saying they keep. I agree with you. I feel like some people actually think that um, Richard Sherman could play safety, but I don't see him playing safety this year because they, unless some things really, really drastically happen, um, I feel yeah, like I, I, I don't, I don't think so either. I uh, so his trainer Rashad Whitfield, the guy that's kind of working out Jarek McKinnon and, and Debo Samuel. Um, so I spoke with him a couple of days ago. I asked him the same thing. I said, "Oh, is Richard moving to safety? You know, he's thirty-two, last year of his contract." Um, he's not a giant speed guy. He's got a ton of IQ. Can he play safety? And Whitfield was basically like, nah, just keep him at corner. Um, you know, his football IQ is so smart. He doesn't need to be the fastest guy on the field. Um, he basically shut down one side of the field for 18 weeks. And in the Super Bowl, he had some bad plays. Happens, right? Um, speed's never been his, his best trait. But, yeah, I, I would keep him at corner, and I kind of agreed with him. So. Uh, Niners are set, you know, with free safety, Jimmy Ward, he's on a three-year contract uh, or basically a two-year deal with an out after, after the second year and Kwaski Tard's a free agent, but they've got Marcel Harris. So I just don't see Sherman fitting at safety. I think he stays on the, on the left side. 
we got some after this year we got some off-season things that we need to take care of in house a lot just towards stay speaking of tour is what you said nope. i don't think so so next year a ton of free agents so you know, uh, Fred Warner and Mike McGlinchey are due for extensions. Ooh, uh, Fred definitely got to stay, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Both of those guys got to stay. They're going to be due for extensions. Mike McGlinchey, you know, he's got his fifth-year option. Fred, that would be that would be his fourth year, right, uh, if, if I'm doing the math right. I think so. And then, uh, you know, Trent Williams is going to be a free agent. Kyle Juszczyk going to be a free agent. Um, Kendrick Bourne is going to be a free agent. Uh, Kwaski Tart's going to be a free agent. Um yeah, man, they got uh, – who else? Richard Sherman's a free agent. Quan Williams is a free agent. Um, a ton of starters hitting free agency. I think the moves that they're going to do, they're going to cut D Ford, who's due to make like $17 million. Like, that ain't cutting it. I think so they cut him. I think they either cut or trade Quan Alexander. Those are two huge contracts. And they've got Dre Greenlaw who can fill in for Quan. Uh, they're probably going to have to draft or add a pass rusher, you know. Um, news is on. Um... Joey Bosa wants to join Nick Bosa next year. Is that true? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know he probably ain't going to come for no money because ain't going to be too much to be going around at this moment for what you just said. <laughs> yeah. No, so obviously they're brothers. They work out together. Um, they work uh, They work out in Florida. That rumor, it took off. I think uh, can be ours, Larry Kruger, uh, radio host, um, good friend. He – ended up saying like, Hey, I hear that Joey Bosa wants to play with Nick in San Francisco or something. And then you know how it goes on social media. It like spreads like wildfire and it's, it's like game of telephone. It just takes off. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you see Jersey swaps, you know, you know, uh, what's his face? Joey's buying a house in San Jose. Like the rumors just go wild overnight. Um, I don't know if, you know, Los Angeles lets him go. He's probably their best or second best player. Uh, it's either him or the other pass rusher that they've got. Right. Ingram. Um, Ingram, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I don't know if they let him walk, right? Because in the NFL, you can just franchise tag the player, um, even though they're a historically kind of cheap franchise. Um, I doubt they let him walk. But if he does hit free agency, I would put San Francisco as like the perfect destination, right? They'd move forward. They'd bring Bosa. He's got his brother here. He's got family here. It would make a ton of sense. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. In, in football, it's not like the other sports where the free agents kind of just move, like basketball, for instance. It's really tough because the team has so much control, so it's, it's hard to predict. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, can't wait for this year, man, ready for the Super Bowl. <laughs> this time we'll take it down. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Now, it's going to look different this year, right, with, uh, with COVID-19 and right. our fans going to be there. You know, I, it's just the landscape's going to look completely different, so – uh, as the season gets closer, you know, they talked about reducing the preseason. Uh, they've already don't have OTAs. So, you know, veteran teams that have been together, that have good coaching staffs are at an advantage already. And that's exactly what the 49ers right. are. So, right. um, yeah, I think, I think from that standpoint, it's good. They've got a tough schedule. They've got a tough stretch. They're kind of in the middle, uh, you know, where they go to New England, go to Seattle. Then I think they host Green Bay. Uh, there's like a five game stretch in there. That's like pretty rough, but yeah, no, it should be fun though. Uh, it's a lot better. <laughs> go for it. They got to buy week 11, week 11, or week 12. I think so. It's like mid-season, yeah. Yeah, so that helps a lot for um getting players back healthy because last year we had a buy yeah. after week three, and it was a tough stretch. Way too soon, yeah. Which led to a lot of players getting hurt and still managing that team. And that 
that level with a buy that early. Whew. Yeah, the um, yeah, to just to add to your point, the Atlanta game week, what was it, 15, I think? Yeah, it was week 15. It was right before the Rams game. Uh, that game was brutal. I mean, it was brutal for, like, uh, the players because they had just come from that huge New Orleans win. And obviously, I hadn't had a buy in, like, six, seven weeks. A ton of guys were hurt. Uh, the Falcons were just a terrible team with nothing to play for. They played right. well in the competition. <laughs> that game was a tough watch for everyone kind of sitting in the stands. It was really quiet. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a brutal game to watch. And then they lost on top of that. But, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's kind of what happens when you have a buy that early, right? So hopefully having a, a week 11 buy help helps from that standpoint. You're right, you're right. Well, that's all I got for you, Akash. Man, I appreciate you. Definitely. And I appreciate you. For fourth yeah. and And we will definitely talk soon. Yeah, for sure, man. No, thank you for having me. It was good. No problem, man. You guys have a great, great, great night, great morning, whatever time you're watching this.